<laughs> Respectfully, no. Hey there, hellgoers. Hi again, Laura. Hello. It's so good to see you again. Um, this is Laura. Same. Laura was my one of my college roommates. Um, our little mm-hmm. recap here. We've known each other for like, I don't know, 15, 13, 13 years? 13 years, yeah. Ooh. I know. It's a long time. So um, <laughs> Laura was originally on um, our first Purity Culture episode. And yep. now we're going to talk about mental health stuff today. Yeah, and just, you know, a quick update. Uh, since then, my boyfriend has moved in, so I'm really living in sin. Uh, as my you. mother, as, as my mother would put it, my mother doesn't know. So if you know my mom and you're listening to this episode, please don't tell her. <laughs> we will uh, keep this off of her uh, Spotify playlist as much as Yeah, yeah. She totally uses Spotify. Not at all. <laughs> Uh, congrats though that's so exciting we love him thank you uh we're gonna talk a a little bit about mental health stuff we've i think we've both been on particularly interesting mental health journeys Uh um especially uh since college i knew quite a bit about your journey prior to college and we'll talk about it Uh um but even since college i feel like both of us have learned and grown a, a lot um absolutely I just to I don't know if I've ever even talked about this really on the podcast, but um, I always knew that I had the generalized anxiety disorder from pretty right. young, um, and I had been like on and off Lexapro. My like short summary, I guess, of of that is that's not all that it was, and then a lot yep. of women end up not figuring out mental health disorders until they're much older. That's essentially mm-hmm. what happened to me because I was very high functioning. And, um, by the time I was 28, which is like the typical age where like all these young women find out about things that are wrong with them, (laughs) um, I was diagnosed with anxiety, depression, bipolar two, and that kind of like all came to a head at once. Um, so our journeys have definitely been both similar and very different. Um, so why don't you share a little bit about your mental health journey and where it started? Because yours is much longer than mine. Yeah. So I do want to just like preface this by saying that I will be talking about suicide. So a trigger warning for that. Um, excuse me. I'm not going to go into great detail or anything like that, but I will mention it, uh, more than once. So just want to let folks know that. Um, so honestly, the discussion of my mental health journey, you really can't talk about it fully without acknowledging my mom's mental health issues um because they've had a great impact on me my mom has borderline personality disorder Mm -hmm. uh she was she actually still hasn't officially been diagnosed with that by like a psychiatrist or anything she is working with a therapist who uh recently in the last two years um basically told her she had borderline personality disorder something I had figured out a few years before but most of my life we had really didn't know what was wrong with my mom for a while I thought maybe she was bipolar and I I think I would say that sometimes in college um she's always you know she's been officially diagnosed with anxiety and depression when she hit menopause she had this extreme hormonal imbalance that caused even more issues so I grew up in a really chaotic and abusive household um not physically abusive but And so from a very young age, I started having some real problems with anxiety. When I was very young, I used to be terrified at night for a lot longer than most kids are. I slept on the floor in my parents' room for years. I mean, it was a real problem. Um, Around 10, I started having actual problems with insomnia. Not just I'm scared, but literally I could not sleep. And 10 years old is when I was put on my first sleep medication, which is not... Not normal. And I didn't realize that until therapy a couple years ago. And I was like, it's wild to me that no adult in this situation was like, oh, we're putting a 10-year-old on medicine for insomnia. Maybe she needs some therapy. Seriously, <laughs> um, and that's, I, it's crazy to think now, like, especially both of us have had education backgrounds, uh-huh. thinking how long, by the time you got yes. to middle school even, that you would have been medicated. Yeah. Yeah, so 10 years old, started my first medication for insomnia. Um, some point in middle school, I was diagnosed with ADHD. I was very high-functioning. I have a more atypical presentation of ADHD for women. Um, I have a very, very hyperactive ADHD. Um, but I was, like, 
very high functioning. I got great grades in school and all of that. Right. So Successful. I was diagnosed with it. Yeah, I was started on some medication, uh, but no one ever really offered me any therapy or let's talk about this or learn about how we can cope and things like that. Um, I was just medicated. And then my freshman year of high school, I was officially diagnosed with anxiety and depression um, mm-hmm. after some very intense emotional mental breakdowns really is is what did it and um Mm -hmm. so at this point I'm on so I'm 14 right freshman year of high school on medicine for sleep ADHD meds medicine for depression I was started on Lexapro I was on that for a couple years and somewhere in there I started to have more like more intense anxiety and so my doctor actually prescribed me Xanax which is not something you're supposed to use for children, and it's supposed to be used on a sort of um, occasional basis, right? You're, Were you really, still 14 really have, at the time? I think I was 15 or 16 by the time okay, I was put okay. on Xanax, right? Yeah. Something you're supposed to take a... Um, you're really feeling a panic attack coming on and you take it as a way to calm that. Um, you, you experience something extremely traumatic and it's it's a short-term thing. I was taking two milligrams of Xanax every single day for mm-hmm. several years. Um, my therapist one day, in the last year or two, she was like, oh, so you were high for all, almost all of high school. And I was like, you know, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, I was, right? Like, I mean, I was addicted to it, not, not because... I was trying to be, I just was, right? So, um, you know, lots and lots of ups and downs. Plus, I mean, the hormones are just wild. I have all these serious issues going on at home. My sisters are now at college. It's just me and my parents. I have this really just very terrible relationship with my mother. Um, And things kind of came to a head my senior year, and I tried to commit suicide uh, twice in 24 mm-hmm. hours. Uh, I won't get into too many details, but I, you know, I tried taking pills. I was at the emergency room. The first sure. night, the ridiculous thing is they make you talk to some crisis counselor and sign a paper that says you're not going to hurt yourself anymore. Um, nobody seemed to care if I had any sort of follow-up counseling or therapy care or anything like so, that, right? So Wait, 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 wait. You're telling yeah. me that you signed a paper. Again, you're still a minor. Yeah, and my dad was there, but you're, yeah. But you're signing a paper that says, like, I won't hurt myself, and then they just but send you on your way. I mean, I, the end of it. I ha- yeah, I had to drink a bunch of charcoal because I had taken a bunch of pills, right? Sure. And, and honestly, mostly it was a cry for help. Like, I can look back on that now as an adult and say I wasn't yeah. actually trying to kill myself. It was a cry for help. I took the pills. Immediately, I was like, Oh, fuck. And went and talked to, told my parents what I did, and they took me to the ER. It was a cry for help. Sure. So, yes, they sent me on their way. And really, all of this to me is like a really great, and by great I mean terrible example of how much our mental health care in this country it fails people. Unfortunately, yeah. I was I was not having such a severe problem, and I had enough supports in my life that it did not end more tragically for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Twenty four hours later, I, my parents had like taken all the pills in the house and hid them, and I found them. Not even twenty four hours later, and I did it again. This time, I ended up me or I took more. I had to get my stomach pumped, and I ended up being inpatient psych for about ten days. Okay. Um, when I was in this inpatient psych, uh, they basically wanted to take me off all of my medications and sort of get start over they were appalled that i was on xanax xanax is one of the few medications where withdrawal is actually like life-threatening it's extremely severe um and so they slowly i mean even just going from like two milligrams to one and a half milligrams i went through extremely intense withdrawal i lost 12 pounds in like five days i was vomiting constantly the funny i mean it's not funny but now it's like a little bit funny is um Mm -hmm. all of the bathrooms are locked in a word they will not leave them oh, unlocked no. they can't right and so I'm, so yeah. after you know after we didn't make it to the bathroom a couple of times and I vomited on the floor they gave me a little bucket to carry around um, your own emotional support bucket yeah yeah it's great and they and they um they wouldn't give me anything to sleep, so I literally did not sleep for, like, three and a half days. And I don't mean I didn't sleep well. I mean I did not sleep. Sure. There because was no sleep. You're going to withdrawal. Yeah. So finally, after a few days, they, they gave me a shot of Ativan in my butt, and I slept for, like, nine hours, and it was amazing. Um, <laughs> and 
So anyway, so you know, I, I end up leaving once I'm past the sort of like hardest point of withdrawal. I'm still on the Xanax because you can't go from two milligrams to zero in you know ten days. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I go home. I did have to have a plan of follow. I had to have a follow up appointment with a psychiatrist and with a counselor. So. Mm-hmm. I did start seeing a child psychiatrist after that. They were, you know, working on adjusting my meds, and my parents didn't force me to. Um, and this is my senior year, right? It's, it's it's the end of my senior year, so I only have, like, a few months till I'll be in college anyway. Um, sure. So they kind of get things adjusted. I go to college. I'm at college. College is a hot mess for a variety of reasons. Sure was. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at one point, I, I had a couple breakdowns in college, and you witnessed some of them or maybe not in the moment but some of the like after effects of things um and in 20 the fall of 2018 so four years ago I really hit a breaking point there was some family things going on that were really intense I was really struggling in school and I actually left teaching a couple months after starting therapy I was thinking about it before then it just happened um and you know and I was much doing a lot better with um work-life balance and all of that therapy I was starting to really understand the fact that I was abused as a child um Mm -hmm. starting to understand my mom's mental health issues more and how that impacted me I started you know getting better about setting setting boundaries with my family and things like that um so things were generally more positive started dating and then COVID really kind of fucked with me again so um like lots of people yeah absolutely absolutely and so uh, I'm an extrovert and so not being allowed to really see people and everything so I ended up uh, increasing my dosage of Lexapro a little which I'm still on now that same dose and then also weirdly um started having some really serious issues with my ADHD um Mm. to the point where I was doing things that were dangerous like I was leaving my stove and oven on constantly I was not paying attention while I was driving and I was bumping into things and running over curbs and I hadn't gone into an accident yet but I was there were like some really like serious issues and I talked to my therapist about it and she asked how my anxiety was and I said my ex my anxiety is like the best it's ever been yeah and she had this moment on her face like low and she goes oh and I was like what she goes um your anxiety has been a coping mechanism for your ADHD your whole life. And I was like, what? And she says, anxiety, ADHD brain forgets to turn the stove off. Anxiety brain checks that the stove is off five times. Oh my. And I was like, like mind blown. I had, I just like never realized. And I go, well, I don't want my anxiety back. (laughs) She's like, She's like, no, 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 you have to learn healthy coping mechanisms, Laura. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense. So she and I actually, for a couple months, really tried doing some things. And I was still, she's like, all right. She's like, you know, I'm not a medicine pusher, but you're going to burn your house down. Or you're going to kill yourself or someone else in the car. Like, you know, some of these other things. So she's like, I really, really encourage you to talk to your doctor about getting back on meds. So I did a year and a half ago now. Uh, I'm on Concerta, which is what I was on in college. Um, it's a pretty low dose. Um, it helps me not do things like burn down my house and helps me a little bit, but it's not um, such a high dose that I feel like it mellows me too much or, you know, anything like that. So yeah. anyway, here we are today, still in every Oh, and of course, I, the, you know, most recent thing is I actually have started EMDR um, just in oh, the last yeah. couple months. Mm-hmm. So for folks who don't know, it's a a therapy modality. It is specifically for folks dealing with trauma. Yeah, and you know, here we are today. So (laughs) that was my very long story. (laughs) No, that's great. Um, There's a podcast that I personally love called Ladies and Tangents, Mm -hmm. and they recently did an entire episode um, on EMDR because one of the podcast hosts is doing it. Um, And so they did a whole kind of recap of what it is and a summary well, of go the listen purpose. To that and, if, yeah, there if you want to know more. There's a couple of things that you said that I thought were really good to point out. One was that you're, um, you just started to realize in like the last few years of therapy that you were in abusive relationships at home, even mm-hmm. though they weren't physically abusive. Um, and that's important to point out for anybody who feels like yeah. they might be having PTSD type reactions to things and they're unsure of where it's really coming from and I know a lot of people talk themselves out 
of thinking that they were abused or experienced trauma because they were like, well, no one ever hit me or, well, exactly. no one ever blank. Like, fill in the blank. It could have been worse. Yeah. And from, like, a, a teacher perspective, right, like, I'm th- I've in the last few years thought about, like, did I have students who were in the same situations yeah. as me? It's easier to identify neglect, to identify physical abuse. I was not physically abused. We were all three really good students. And right. so, so people knew we had a tumultuous relationship with our mom, but no one really identified right. the By everyone's general standards, you guys were doing okay. We were okay, yeah. Like, we... we to identify emotional and verbal abuse is a lot yeah. harder. Yeah. Um, it took me a long time to even say that. Like, I, I used to be like, oh, you know, my family's pretty dysfunctional. And then it was like, oh, you know, that was like, I wasn't, like, abused exactly, but it was bad. You know, and it was like this, and I was like, well, you know, I, I was physically abused. And I'm like, I mean, I was abused. Like, that's right. the reality. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's hard because you don't want to think that about your own life. And then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now that I know this, what do I do with this information? And, like, do I t- do I tell my parents that? Do I right. not? You know, like, yeah. does it matter if they know? And ultimately, I reached a point where I had to because they were getting so angry with me about these boundaries I was setting. And they were really pushing me and really yeah. trying to manipulate those, you know, I can't believe you would do this or all these things. And I finally reached a point. I, I said it to my dad first, who was not really the one who was being abusive, but certainly enabled a lot of the behavior. And I said, Dad, we were abused as children mm-hmm. we were and it was hard for him because my dad was physically abused by his father because he his father was an alcoholic and he was like no you weren't abused and I was like we weren't physically abused I was like but what we experienced in that house was emotional abuse yeah. no question about it and I, I was like I'm not going to continue to subject myself to abuse yeah. um and I reached a point of Christmas of 2020 I think it yeah 2020 oh I feel so long ago where I was like it was really hard I ended up storming out on Christmas day uh because it was just terrible holidays are especially hard for my family as they are for lots of people and Mm -hmm. I was like on my way out and I said dad I was like I will not be in relationship with you and mom Unless you get therapy and you get some serious help. I will yeah. not come back for a holiday. I will not celebrate birthdays with you. I will not allow, I will not continue to be subjected. I will not continue to subject myself to this. Yeah. Um, and I didn't talk to them at all, really. I Maybe a couple texts with my dad for several months, but they started to go to therapy, the two of them together. Yeah. Um, and it's really evolved into my mom primarily going to therapy and my dad sort of joining a session once a month or something like that and they've been doing it and it's funny my dad called me one day and was like Laura I think your mom has borderline personality disorder and I was like welcome <laughs> yeah dad welcome to the club we all do and all our therapists know but okay again another thing that you said that is important for other people to know is that it's okay to set boundaries even with your family yes and that was really important for my mental health yes right like and it's really hard and I was villainized at different points I felt extreme guilt I mean one time we're trying to plan Father's Day with my you know for my dad and it's getting so out of control and I basically just reached a point where I was like dad you have to put a stop to this and I will just make a plan with you or we can't I'm not doing this and he was like why can't you just figure it out with your mom and I said because because we're not successful and I, I didn't see him for Father's Day that year Um, And I felt really guilty about that. That was hard. It's not easy, and it doesn't just solve the problem Mm -hmm. right away. But it's another thing. It takes a lot of time. Like, just because Mm -hmm. you, like, you spent lots of years in battle with your own parents, Mm -hmm. and then you finally set a boundary, and it's not like overnight they showed up to therapy and everything was better and you could resume your relationship. And now I see them a little bit more and communicate with them a little bit more, but it's still pretty guarded. Um, You know, one of the conversations I had with my therapist when I said um, that I was, my anxiety was a lot better, she was like, well, why do you think your anxiety is so much better? And so I was sort of like going through some, I was like, oh, you know, my job and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I haven't really talked to my mom in like eight months. And she was like, yeah. (laughs) She's like, you don't say. 
She's like, you think that's made a difference? And I was like, yeah, actually, now that I'm, like, thinking about it, she's like, she's like, I mean, I knew that. I was just hoping you would sort of get yourself there, you know? And I was like, yeah, like, that really yeah. has made a huge difference for my anxiety and mm-hmm. my depression. I'm very aware when I do see them of, like, some, I am going to be more heightened and likely sure. to be triggered so do I have a an escape plan right which sounds dramatic but like what is my plan to leave right like I I don't want to I'm not going to sit here and be be abused um so how do I leave that situation and the thing that's so hard right is like I can do that now as an adult but like I couldn't do that as a child right there was nowhere to escape to like you were where you Mm -hmm. were and I used to have this terrible fear that either my dad was going to die and we'd be left with my mom or my parents Mm -hmm. were going to get divorced and my Mm -hmm. mom would have primary custody and it was honestly the scariest thing even now thinking about it I feel a little bit anxious like that was such a scary scary Mm -hmm. thing for me and that is not normal for like 11 year olds to be thinking about so correct yeah I mean a lot of people go through so many variations of this, whether um, it's a parent with mental health issues or an addiction, alcoholism, mm-hmm. like something of that nature where they don't have an escape. They're receiving a trickle-down effect of the stress of their parents or the, the grown-ups they live with, and yep. they present as doing okay to mm-hmm. their school system or... Yep. their daycare or whoever is or their church family whoever is around mm-hmm. them um and that's I guess a good kind of segue because your parents were very involved in yes. the church like mm-hmm. super involved um and I, I think your your dad was even like my dad was a worship leader yeah 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 so he yeah. was a part of staff and, yeah and has been an elder for a while and yeah Maybe stopped doing that recently, but he was an elder for, for quite a while. Um, and, I, and I sort of alluded to this earlier. Like, I do want to clarify, my dad wasn't himself necessarily abusive, but he definitely right. enabled my mom's behavior sure. um, and was really not good at confrontation coming from his own past traumas, right? Like right. his family issues. Yeah. I, I think one thing that was really hard was, and I was thinking this right before you said this is a good segue, um, my... One thing I hated hearing mm. from people in the church or from family, friends, or whatever was, you know, well, you need to respect, you need to honor your father and mother. Yes. And how harmful mm. that is to say to someone who is a child who is being abused right. that, well, you need to honor your father and mother. And what does that tell a child about mm. relationships? Yeah. for the future about what they how they should be looking you know and, then, and there's also this whole thing in the bible about wives submitting to your husband right and so if you are sure a is. girl in the church who has an abusive family who's being told honor your father and mother and then you marry a man who's abusive and you're told to submit to your husband yep. what i mean it's just a cycle of it's abuse never right ending. yep yeah, and it, as a child, I used to get so frustrated. And the funny thing is, is, like, sometimes there'd be family members or whoever who would say that, who, like, they would get into fights with my mom, and, like, they, right. like, did not like my mom. And then they're telling me, and I'm like, excuse me, I have to live with this woman every single day. <laughs> you see her at holidays, uncle, whoever, and you're annoyed with her and yelling at her, like, you can get the fuck out of here but it was really damaging and it was it was this thing where it's like then you feel guilt about not obeying your parents you know there was a point where I was in middle school where I started hitting my mom Mm -hmm. and that is a shame I felt so much shame around that and I felt like I was such a terrible person and now as an adult I'm like oh it's okay that was okay you know but I understand now that I was in an untenable situation for a child. I had no way to get out of this situation. Trying to have a conversation with my mom or get any sort of emotional maturity out of my mom was impossible. And so Mm -hmm. there was just a point where everything would boil over and then you add in the anxiety, the depression, the ADHD, impulsivity, and I would hit her. 
Yeah, there was nowhere for that energy to go. And no one's no one's taking me to therapy or counseling. No one's helping Mm -hmm. with this. My mom Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to deal with her own emotions. So how the hell is she gonna help me deal with mine? Right, right. And it was it was really shameful. It was this guilt of I'm supposed to honor my father and mother, and sometimes I hit my mom. Like it was terrible. Um, Well, because that becomes a, a sin. And now, exactly. now it's like weaponized against you when in reality you have not been taught how to cope. There has been no resources for you. And so now your mental health has become sinful in nature somehow. Yeah, there's no recognition of this is a child who who is reacting to trauma it's you are sinful because you don't honor your father and mother because you do these things and I would I mean I can't tell you how much I would pray and cry about you know asking God to improve my relationship with my mom to fix things in our family I mean I spent hours and hours doing that and nothing happened and then it was like (laughs) well you must just not have enough faith or whatever you know it might be and it's really compounds the trauma of what you're already just experiencing on its face with my mom, like what I was experiencing with my mom, it compounds right. it to become the even more psychological and, and problematic. So, um, cause it's not just that I'm not getting along with my mom. It's that I'm disappointing God, you know? Right. Which is again, a wild thing to put on a 10, 11, 12 year old. Right. Where you're like, okay, not only, apparently, can I not do things right in the eyes of God, but I also don't feel safe in my house. Mm -hmm. Like, where am I supposed to go? Well, and my mom is really good at guilting you and manipulating you that way, right? And so it's like, just things like, (laughs) you do, yeah. Like, oh, you know, whenever you're home on vacation for college you just want to be with your friends or you know oh why do you you know you always just want to on the weekends go over to your friends houses and and you should bring them here and all this guilt so it's like the guilt of that the guilt of feeling like you're sinning and you're failing the guilt of like you know you know it's not good to hit people right like i know it's not it's just like a general thing people know like the guilt of the fact that I'm like hitting my mom you know like there's all this guilt no wonder I had a lot of anxiety yeah well Um, right because in a constant state of feeling like a disappointment how can you not feel anxious about messing up again and, well, and also, the thing with borderline personality disorder, if folks aren't familiar, I mean, there's a lot of, it's a complicated disease, but a, a thing that happens a lot is people with BPD will go from zero to 100 in three seconds. Yeah. And, and, and there's, sometimes, once they're in that sort of really high manic state, you cannot bring them down just like Mm -hmm. theological conversation and so you also are walking on eggshells all the time trying to anticipate people's emotions which creates a lot of anxiety you know Miranda I know you know this but I have a lot of physical health problems too and then another you know church thing to connect here is um this idea of I grew up in a more charismatic church and there was definitely this idea of healing and people can yes. be healed and God can heal you and so that's another thing I prayed about a lot was to be healed from physical and mental you know issues and yep. obviously was never successful um and it, again it was this I must not be a good enough Christian I must yes. not be close enough to Jesus I must not be praying hard enough or yes. oh and then my favorite now they're just all coming in my favorite is like well God is giving you challenges because he's going to do great things with your life and I'm like you know what I don't want that <laughs> you're like that's enough slices I don't need more I think I'm, I'm good right but it was like this like this you're being prepared for something great and mighty and it's like no i'm 12 (laughs) (laughs) i'm just trying to go to school (laughs) yeah like i just i I don't know i have like hair in my armpits now and like i need a bra this is shitty oh no i needed a bra when i was like nine so we had passed (laughs) that but yeah and so there's just a lot and um I know you and Lizzie mentioned this in your last episode, but the, mm-hmm. the verse about tomorrow's enough anxieties on its own, and it was like, mm-hmm. you know, if I was just 
closer to God, if I just leaned on him more, I would not experience this anxiety, this depression. Yeah. The way I do. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that's it's interesting for me is, you know, I was medicated at a really young age, and in a lot of ways there's some problems with that. And in other ways, I never felt any stigma around medication and I know a lot of folks yeah. especially folks who grew up in the church feel like they like medication is like some kind of failure so I was fortunate that I never had that um well it's funny because yeah. I also did not I didn't get a stigma around medication either from from my mm-hmm. parents um they were very Great. open about medication mm-hmm. um and I have a, a line of mental health issues in my family on both sides. So, um, <laughs> yeah. there are lots of medicated people in my lineage mm-hmm. and that has worked out fine for other people. So when I needed help when I was 16, it was really no concern. Um, and so that I'm very, I'm very grateful for. However, mm-hmm. I did realize when I got to college that it's an issue for a lot of people because it is. I didn't realize when I, cause both of us are pretty open books and yes. so I would talk to people about how <laughs> that's, that's part of the mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. I'm like, let me open up. Do you want to see page 37? Cause I'll tell you all about I'm just like, I'll just uh, tell you about all my problems. And it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, maybe people don't want to be my friend for other reasons. So uh, when I started opening up to people about, again, if someone just mentioned something like tangentially, they're like, oh, like I've always really suffered with migraines. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I went to my doctor and like talked to them. And Uh then it was like, oh, you have anxiety. It causes all Uh of these other things. And then I went on Lexapro and I feel better. And they're like, Uh you are on an anti-anxiety, antidepressant, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, yes, um, and I didn't realize, because my parents were great about that, that very many people in the church frown upon that significantly, Uh and, um, a lot of it is because they feel like you're not trusting God in the healing process if you are inserting medication. Well, I remember having those conversations with folks and trying to make comparisons. We're like, well, if you were diabetic, we wouldn't be like, you can't take your insulin. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't tell someone they're not trusting God if they're taking their insulin. And like, oh, but it's different. And I'm like, mm, but is it? Like, right. is it different? It's because <laughs> if I was like going to, at least from this tangent, if I was going to say like, I, I really just want people to know that Needing medication or therapy is not a failure of faith, is not a failure of who you are as a human. It is literally that your brain works differently than it's supposed to, whatever that means. Can't see my air quotes, but yeah. And I think Lizzie said in the last episode something about, what, what did they say? Like, normal or... You're, you're not operating like a normal brain or something oh, yeah. and it's like this it was like the standard operating version yeah 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 it and it's so like what is, i don't even know what that means because i don't know anyone who has the standard operating version of their brain but i um, loved that phrasing so i was like you know what people assume that there's this standard operating procedure for everyone's brains and in reality it just like doesn't exist yeah but for some reason people treat the brain differently than any other part of the body mm-hmm. In reality, do it's an and organ. explore what makes exactly what makes you feel better and what makes you feel <laughs> like yourself and whatever that is, we support it. Oh, I also have like a challenge for people who are listening. Uh, one of my good friends mm-hmm. has is finally on some doctor prescribed medication. Spent many years self medicating with alcohol okay. Okay. and weed. Now, let me preface this by saying I do wholeheartedly believe that weed can be really helpful for some folks yes. with anxiety and like other mental health issues. So I'm not, I'm not discounting that as a, as a possible thing. But yeah. he was not like trying to take small doses to like sure. put his anxiety at bay. He was just getting high all the time and yeah. drinking all the time. And I was like, my dude, you're just medicating yourself in an unhealthy way. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I, and it's another thing for folks to think about. Like, do you ha- ha- do you drink a lot of alcohol? Do you use a lot of weed? Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe that's been your attempt to self medicate? Not saying mm-hmm. you can't ever use those things or whatever, but yeah, if you're doing that, you're medicating yourself in a way that's worse for yes. you. Yeah, just something to consider. I want to talk a little bit about other coping mechanisms. Like, obviously, we uh-huh. love therapy, um, but there's uh-huh. other ways that we can do coping mechanisms as well. So what have you developed as coping mechanisms for me? Um, I've started to... I hated... I used to hate reading. I know you love reading. Uh-huh. You're an English major. Uh-huh. Um, but I used to hate reading <laughs> because people told me what I had to read, and I didn't uh-huh. like that. Um, I also uh-huh. wasn't a very good reader, and so it made me. What does interest. that mean, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, anxiety. It's, it's like, oh. that it's that you weren't as you weren't a perfect reader, and you liked to be yes ex- extremely good at things. Well, I yeah. didn't want anyone to ask me to read out loud, and then ask me questions about mm-hmm. it because I didn't know what it meant. My comprehension, I could read, but my comprehension was not that of my mm-hmm. AP lit peers. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I have recently discovered that I love reading the types of books that I like reading. And mm-hmm. so my new coping strategy is I get like an easy thriller read and I will read it in like love two that. days. And it's a great like reset for my brain when I'm feeling yeah. overwhelmed or anxious. So um, I love that. Yeah, one of my little coping mechanisms. I mean, there's lots of them. Um, some are healthier than others. I shared a healthy yeah. one. Um, what about you? What have you done? What have you developed? Well, when I was a kid, reading was definitely a coping mechanism because it was an escape, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny because I actually sort of wasn't reading for the last like five or six years because mm, okay. I was reading so much for work as an English teacher and like you right. know I'd read I read occasionally but I just wasn't reading that much I yeah. kind of like started hating it um plus you know I'll be ADHD but in the last year I've I've really picked that up again it's funny because I go through these phases where I'm like I want to read like important non-fiction about like abortion okay. and women's rights which is like not particularly restful and then sometimes I'm like I want to read this YA novel that's a cute little romance and like call it a day and it's enjoyable so I'd say that's still like that can be something I like to do um Mm -hmm. for me the thing I realized is so when I um get really stressed my nature is to bottle it up when I'm upset and not tell anyone because when I was a child I learned that my feelings weren't as important as my mom's and so I just Mm -hmm. needed to deal right so something I've been working on in therapy since I started and that is has now become a positive coping mechanism for me is um reaching out to someone when I'm really at a low whether that's my sister who I'm very close with uh Kyle now my boyfriend um Mm -hmm one of my close friends or whatever, you know, and, and it's not always, oh, I need to reach out and talk to them about this problem. Sometimes it is that, but it's also Mm -hmm. just connecting with someone, um, is important for me. Obviously that can't happen 24 seven. Um, but that's a, Mm -hmm. a good one. Um, you know, I like doing yoga. I actually haven't been much recently just because nice. of some um, physical health issues that have been making that particularly hard. But for a couple of years, I was, you know, probably prior to this year, I was doing a lot of yoga and I just really liked that. It was funny because um, sometimes when I would go to classes, I really struggled because they were long and boring and yeah. my ADHD mm-hmm. brain was yep. like, this is too slow. Um, but just doing like a 15 or 20 minute video at home works well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes I think, I think in my life I've always been like, coping mechanisms have to be this like really intentional, active thing. Sometimes my coping mechanism is sitting on the couch with my cat and watching a mindless cooking show because okay. it just lets me wind down and not have to think about anything. That's why I watch Bachelor so, I'm just Yeah, kidding. so, yeah, yeah, right. Like something mindless is sometimes mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Um, this I kind of told you as a joke, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. Because um, one of the questions you had sort of posed to me before was like, has anything changed since you like sort of let go of church concepts or um, yep. was there anything you didn't know was really possible or existed when you were in yeah. the church? So there's, there's actually, now that I'm saying this, there's kind of two things. So um, 
you know, I will sometimes, and, and, I, and I said before, like, don't self-medicate with these things, right? But sometimes if I'm just like, you know what, I just got a stressful day, and I'm on my medications and doing all my things, and I just kind of want to take the edge off, and I might take an edible or, like, have a drink or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but sparingly, right? Yeah, um, responsible participation. Yeah, and honestly, oftentimes both of those things are um, social for me, so I might have a drink with a friend or something so that connection is important yes mm-hmm. the other thing is uh and and i want everyone to listen to the whole thing before you all start <laughs> judging me okay um but sometimes sex is a coping mechanism yes it is. and i yes. don't mean that in a like oh kyle and i are fighting and so now we're gonna have sex to avoid our fight that's not what i'm saying but yeah. a great example mm-hmm. is we went on vacation with his family a few months ago his nephews have some, um, they're a lot. That's all I'll say. I don't want to like, yep. I don't want to get into their privacy. You know, I don't want to hurt their Got privacy it. or anything. They're no. a lot. And it was a stressful vacation. Yep. Everyone so knows much. that kind of vacation. Yeah. We had so much sex. Yep. And it was great. And honestly, if we hadn't been doing that, I don't know if we would have made it. Lose because your it mind. Yeah. Right. Because it is like there's the you get endorphins and there's 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 physicality to it and like you know yeah. it just it kind of lets some things yeah. out. Um, and I would never do that as like a Kyle and I are angry at each other, so let's do this right. to like it's not a way get out through it of a conflict. Exactly, it's more yeah. like I'm feeling stressed about something else, and this yeah. is something fun and enjoyable exactly. and it's like exercise. Except it's like better. going on a hike, except better because I get a bunch of orgasms, you know? That's like, That's so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we'd be like, well, I was listening to a podcast, and they said, go have a bunch of sex to deal with my stress. <laughs> but even times where it's just like, you know, I had a frustrating day at work. Yeah, you had, you had a shit day, and listen, this, this is This sounds fun. like it would be fun. So, right. let's make the end of you, the day. So, let's yeah. get going. Let's make the end of the day better than the rest of the day, you know? And for some people, when they're stressed or upset, that is something they don't want to do at right. all. Yep. And that is totally valid and totally fair. That is as long not as you're I communicating, am. that sounds great. Right. For some people I know, like, if they're like, I am stressed and the last thing I want to do is have sex, like, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it works for me, so... I love that. And I was, yeah. so this is not sex related, but it is social related. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, cause like I, I recently moved to Kentucky, so mm-hmm. I don't know anyone mm-hmm. here. Um, and I am trying to find ways to still be social in some mm-hmm. capacity, which as like a young ish adult is weird. Um, and so this Are weekend, we still young adults? I don't know anymore. I don't know. 31 sounds old. Um, I know. So this Saturday in Lexington, um, there is a Taylor Swift DJ night, like dance party. Sounds fun. Yeah. And so I'm going to go out of my comfort zone and go by myself. And I'm going to wear uh, like a Taylor Swift little outfit. Um, I love and that. I'm gonna go try to make friends that are Swifties. You have to, you have to post um, pictures. Yeah, uh, that's my goal. Is I'm gonna go with like a little sign that says "Just moved here, looking for friends," and I'm just gonna walk around and see who I can find. And I'm gonna, no matter what, sing my little heart out to all the Taylor Swift songs. Do you know what that just reminded me of? Being at Creation and people with their free hugs signs. Oh. The memory you unlock. I know. It just, it just, like, I was like, oh, that's a cute sign. That reminds me of something. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And that is how religious trauma works. It was like a real time example. Yeah, I don't want to hug you. No, there's a... I mean, I hug you. I don't want to hug a stranger. Yeah, correct. Especially (laughs) this random youth pastor man. A, A whole other topic. So... Now that you are in a place where you have a therapist that you like, you are generally happy with where you're at in your life, you've Uh discovered a lot about yourself, how has your self-love, self-acceptance changed over time as you've learned about all of these things about yourself? Yeah, I think um, 
that's actually something I'm still sort of actively working on. Yeah. I think I can consciously understand, um, like have more acceptance of myself and have like more compassion for my younger self and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I think that there's still an internal subconscious thing yeah. that is really hard for me to view myself as I'm getting real, real vulnerable here, uh, view myself as like worthy of being loved, um, which is actually something I've been working on a lot with EMDR. Um, and so I think the, the subconscious like internal shift is still very much, um, hasn't happened but at least like at least sort of in my general day-to-day or intellectually I can um feel pretty positively about myself and feel like proud of a lot of the things I've done and and where I've been but there's still you know um the consequences of the trauma that are yeah are, are not resolved and um yeah that's something that's been even challenging in my current relationship where um yeah you know there are moments where I jump to conclusions or make assumptions about things because those because my my brain still gets into that fight or flight mode more often than I would like um and uh, you know that kind of thing so um yeah it's still part of the journey and that's Mm -hmm. okay I don't have to have it all solved today yeah I'm glad you said that because this is still when I was trying to like draft questions to do as an uh-huh. interview, um, I thought about what I would ask myself, uh-huh. and this is the question that I still like. I still don't love myself really. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. intellectually, just like you said, I can logically think through all of the reasons that I should love myself. Uh-huh. I can name positive things about me. Generally, I find myself to be a successful person. I Mm -hmm. like things about me. I'm like, yes, I like Mm -hmm. that I'm a creative person. I like that I am good with animals. I like that I am in this relationship. Like, there's lots of things that I could Mm -hmm. say that I like. But if someone were to really look at the way I speak to myself on a daily basis or... um, how quickly I am to compare myself to other people Mm -hmm. and talk down to myself. I don't really love myself yet. Um, And I think that is important just because we're sitting here like talking, we don't have any particular like authority or any, we're not better than anybody else in this conversation. Like I still don't love myself. And it's something that like my partner tells me every day that he was like, you really need to like not say that about yourself Mm -hmm. anymore. And I still have to work on it every day. And I think that I'm actually having this like realization as we're having this conversation. Of course it's related to all my issues with my mom. And also, I think it's related to something in the church too, right? Where you sort of have this yeah. idea of unconditional love, but it's not really because all these strings are attached to it, yeah. right? And so, yeah. so that idea where you feel like you're not meeting what you need to meet, yep, it sort of connects to something in your core that tells you you're unlovable. Yes. Um, uh, this is I'm literally figure I'm like this is literally happening in real time. I'm gonna have yeah. to talk to my therapist about it. Um, and so I, I think maybe that's that's part of the yeah. connection, right? Is like there is something in my core that still feels that way, and it, it's not resolved. And you know, I, I, we were supposed to record this episode two weeks ago, and I canceled because I was really struggling with my mental health. Yep. So it continues to be a journey. Yes. I have a lot more good days than bad days when it comes to my mental health. I have a lot more days where I can see something that ha- that happened that maybe is upsetting, but I cope okay and I'm I yeah. can you know I do well. You know, but it, it, it's not over. I haven't arrived. Um, and I think if you are someone who is struggling with your mental health in different capacities, try to give yourself grace that yes. it's not. Um, you're never going to solve it honestly it's not something to be solved there's no it's not a it's not a I I sometimes joke with my one friend about how I'm gonna get an A in therapy like (laughs) you can't get an A in therapy right like it it, it's okay not to to have all the answers so yeah 
I'm, I'm still thinking about the realization I just had about love and the church and unconditional love with strings attached and all of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a moment. <laughs> the, the biggest, uh, I think, encouragement that you said is like validating wherever people are at in this journey and doing yeah. what makes the most sense for them is like what that's all they can give themselves. Yeah, and if you're if you're struggling in church for whatever reason, I mean, maybe take a break for a week. Maybe only go every other week for a little while or something like that while you figure it out. I think, um, I'm not saying this is an exact correlation, but, you know, I needed space and time for my parents yeah. in order to realize the harm it was you know the the harm it was causing like the anxiety and I'm not saying that your church is necessarily harmful maybe go to church is great but if you're not sure like maybe take a little break and just see how you feel or, or what your reaction is to that and, and be mindful be intentional right like reflect on that and see how you feel um for some people the church is an abusive relationship and it can be hard to realize that you're in that when you're in it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, maybe that's something to consider for folks. And, and, and maybe that's not the right choice for you, but I'm, I'm not going to come find you on Sunday morning and tell you what you have to do. So you, you got to do what's best for yourself. Well, and I think another like general theme that you've touched on in almost every aspect of your mental health is setting boundaries for yourself, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like, mm -hmm. whether it's needing yep. space from the church, needing space from other people, needing to start or stop a medication, uh, mm -hmm. go to different types of therapy or a different therapist or whatever. Yeah, it is. we didn't talk about this, but work too. I mean, yes, mm -hmm. work. You spend many hours a week at your job, presumably, okay. and that can have a really big impact. And I and I have I, I love teaching. For a variety of reasons, so but my mental health, yeah, my mental health was a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and part of it was that also I just had really bad boundaries when I was a teacher. And if yeah. I had had better boundaries, I wasn't really in a place to do that, but if I had had better boundaries, maybe I could have done it longer, but I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, that's another place where boundaries are important. That's so true. That's so good. Yeah. Well, thanks, Laura. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. I, uh, you know, I just like talking to you, so it's great. I know. It's like such a good excuse to be able to see your face too. Other people can't see our faces, but I can see your face yeah, while we're recording. Yeah, we're on a video. Which yeah, I do love. Nice. It makes me yeah. so happy. Congrats That's on great. the move in. Thanks. Yes. Oh my gosh. Good luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, all of your time. And let's see. The sign off is whether we see you at Heaven's Gates or Hell's Flames. It doesn't matter. We're all the same. See you next time. Bye.